gospel are you believing? Is it the true radical gospel of Jesus Christ by which you are saved? Or is it something where you've added a little bit, or you've taken away a little bit? And so we're going to look through that today. Um, I'm going to look at three main points that, uh, that I think underpin the saving faith. We're then going to look at it in practice and how it actually pans out. And then at the end, I think it's, it's worthwhile doing what I call a faith check, if you like. It's just recalibrating ourselves and asking ourselves a few questions about how are we doing? What are we believing in? Where are we on the scale here? And do we need to come and bring ourselves back in a, into alignment with the Word of God in what it says? Are you with me? Great. So we're going to start off with uh, freedom. What a great concept, huh? Freedom is something that, uh, that the whole world has always wanted. It's, uh, it's something we've yearned for. I grew up in, as a teenager where it was free Nelson Mandela. That's what everyone wanted, and I'm, I'm glad he was freed. And, uh, and there have been many, many movements over the years where people have sought freedom. Because when I was a politics student, uh, we studied uh, a French philosopher called Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And I went to a French accent, but he said, and his famous statement was, man is born free, but everywhere is in chains. And so his solution was to bring on the French Revolution. And they took over the nobility, and it was liberty, egality, fraternity, and it landed up in a whole lot of things, uh, which then ended up in an emperor called Napoleon Bonaparte, so it didn't go that well for them. Now, obviously, Jean-Jacques Rousseau had never really looked at his Bible, because Jesus came... And the first thing that Jesus said in his public ministry is he says that I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come to proclaim liberty to the oppressed. I've come to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Isn't that an amazing thing? We get freedom because of the year of the Lord's favor that Jesus came to proclaim. So let's read some of what what, what Jesus said here, what, what the Bible says. Paul says in Galatians a little bit later on, again, another admonishment to the to the church in Galatia, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus said, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And in the book of Peter, Peter says, Live as people who are free, and using your freedom as a cover not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. See, God created us to be free. God created us to be free like Adam and Eve were in the garden, to worship Him, to be in complete union with Him. And of course, what's happened is uh, our sinful nature, uh, the sin came into the world and broke our relationship with Him. And yet Jesus came to set us free again. And freedom is such an amazing concept. You know, one, one of our things, I think one of the ways that I've learned a lot about God is being a parent. Um, I'm blessed to be the father of three beautiful daughters, uh, they were all teenagers. One is now, uh, there they are at the back. Love you girls over there. <laughs> two of them at the back there, two teenagers. And, uh, and Catherine, uh, who's nearly 22, she's at university down in Cape Town. And part of my understanding of God has come through being a father, understanding what my responsibility is to my child and what I, what I want for my child. And part of my, my goal as a father and as parents, Angela and I, is to bring our children into a freedom so they can be wonderful, grown-up, mature, adult people who can be confident in who they are, who can go into the world and, uh, and know who they are and be, be the people that God's called them to be. 
But it starts off very young, doesn't it? So when, they, when they're young, and if you were here a few weeks ago, we'd be going through the series in Galatians and talking about things like the law and what the law was given for. So Angela said that uh, the law was there uh, as a guardian to protect us. And it's almost like when, you, when you've got a little child, you have to put rules around them and, and keep them safe because they're going to do things that are wrong, right? Because they're learning. So, for example, we'll say, uh, Johnny, don't go and touch the drums over there, okay? John, Johnny, I said, don't go and touch the drums, buddy. And what's Johnny going to do? He's going to go and touch those drums. Johnny, I told you not to touch the drums. Put them over here. What we need is some child locks around the drums over here. Teach Johnny to, you know, we need some rules for Johnny to, uh, to not go and touch the drums, yeah? <laughs> Where are you, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. John, sit down, Johnny. But if Johnny stays like that for the rest of his life, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We got to re- <laughs> Johnny, I told you, you got to sit down. <laughs> what are we going to do? We've got to bring Johnny into maturity so that he can walk and know uh, who he is and what he's doing. So we've had that experience with, uh, with Catherine, my eldest. She's uh, in Cape Town now at university. And uh, she's out there, man. She's out there. <laughs> We've uh, given her control of one of our assets, uh, me and Angela, to look after. I've uh, given her my credit that she can pledge in the form of a credit card. And I have to trust her. I have to trust her in her freedom, that she'll be responsible with this, and her heart will connect with mine. And it's a beautiful thing that, that that's the way it's going, because Catherine's a mature, beautiful young lady who has been brought up and is in a place where she's responsible with the car. She's... She tells me before she pledges my credit. She gets my permission. She just she references me on these things. And it's a wonderful place to walk in relationship of freedom like that. So a little bit more about my kids later on, but uh, we'll move on. <laughs> See, in freedom, Paul says somewhere else in, 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 I think it's Corinthians, he says, everything is permissible. Just think about that. Everything is permissible. That means when you come to Jesus, you're no longer under this bondage of the law and, and the rules and that, but everything is permissible. I'm going to do whatever I like, yeah? Because God gave me a free will. It's what separates me from the animals. But the next line is, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that, uh, that flip side of that uh, which regulates our behavior and what we do. So everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So we need to learn how to use our freedom and how to walk in it. The next thing I want to talk about is newness. Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul says in Galatians, a little earlier to the, the passage we read, I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer... Oops, gone. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And later on in Colossians, it says, For you have died, talking to the church now, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of, after the image of its creator. See, the old is gone and the new has come. Our flesh has been crucified. It's dead. And we're called to live in a new thing, in a new realm. 
I've got a picture to illustrate this one, if you can put it up. You recognize these? Two different operating systems, right? And I'm not going to say which one's right, which one's wrong. I'm not going to say which one's the fleshly one, which one's the spiritual one. I've got my own ideas. But, uh, but, but basically, what, what's happened? Once, once we become new creations, we've flipped over. We were this. We were operating in the flesh with just our, our own fleshly desires and us having to struggle by ourselves in that. And what we become is we become new in Christ Jesus. There is a new creation which has come upon me. It's a new operating system. Romans says, bring yourselves as living sacrifices, therefore, to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So in other words, it's moving across, it's learning how to live in that new operating system or that freedom of God, that that thing that He's created, that, that freedom He's given back to us in order to live as He wants us to live. And the third thing I want to um, talk about before we get into the practical application is righteousness. And this is so important. It says, but now the righteousness of, Christ, of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. In Ephesians, and listen to the language. It's all similar language here. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And in Galatians later on, Paul's talking about the armor of God. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And it's this thing that we, that we are. When we get saved, we are, we become the righteousness of God because we've moved over from this fleshly, earthly person into a spiritual being that where God has renewed His character over us. And so understanding righteousness means the ability to stand in the presence of Father God without guilt or an inferiority complex. If I were to ask you uh, this evening, how many of you know that you are righteous? Let's see a show of hands. How many of you know that you're righteous? A few of you. Okay, that's good. If I were to ask the same question and say to you, how many of you this evening feel righteous? Would it alter it? Because how many of us actually are applying that, that righteousness that we know, that we ought to know, is our character in God? And how many of us are, are actually walking that righteousness? And yet that's what we're called to do. We're called to every morning stand up and be renewed in our, by our minds and say, I have the righteousness of Christ upon me. I am the righteousness of God. Because God doesn't see me anymore. He doesn't see Wayne Jones anymore. He sees the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of Him over us. My sins are gone. My chains are... are my, what's the chains are gone? My sins are free? Whatever. The, the wonderful hymn there. I was singing it earlier. We'll sing it later. You see, because the minute you understand and are able to put on and believe in the righteousness, to understand your righteousness that comes through faith, Satan is defeated. You have victory over things like sin and disease and the things which, which, which assail you. The Word comes alive. It lives inside of you. It's like, my, like the words of the, of, uh, in the Bible, it says, my beloved is, I am my beloved's and he is mine. That's what we're doing. There's another uh, quote from Corinthians here. I wonder if you can put it up. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed 
into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so when you start reading the Bible in this way, where you start understanding your righteousness, your freedom, your newness, that actually this stuff becomes absolutely real to you. And it becomes the real saving faith that you need in order to move through your life with Jesus. And it's the thing that the, that the Galatians had fallen away from, and Paul was so desperate to teach them and bring them back to. So these three themes can be, uh, that, that Paul tackles in Galatians can be summed up in this way. Liberty, which we've already spoken about, your freedom and that. And, uh, and that's where Paul's in, in chapters 1 and 2. He's, he's contending for the liberty of the believer. In chapters 3 and 4, he's then attacking the legalism which the Galatians have fallen into, the law that's come to pollute it. And it just takes a little bit of leaven, just a little bit of law, to, to a little bit of yeast in the bread to make the whole thing rise and to change the character of the whole thing. And then chapters 5 and 6, he's talking about the, the other extreme, the licentiousness, the license to sin. Is our freedom this license to sin? And he's saying, no, of course it's not. And we'll look at that in a moment. So I found this picture um, in a book. And uh, it's a book by David Pawson. And it's a, it's a nice, big, thick book. I don't normally go for thick books, but um, we delved into this one. And it's a commentary on the, on the book of Galatians. And he, he pictures it this way. And I think it really sums up in a wonderful way where we need to, who we are and what we believe. So what we have in the middle here is the sun who's operating in faith. And uh, Sajith explained the, the concept of sonship last week in a beautiful way. Sun operating in faith who enjoys the Father's favor. He's standing on top of this mountain, which is raised up above the other sides there. And in it, he's operating the Spirit. There's freedom there. And it's the freedom to, to worship God, to look at our Savior, to, to, to remind ourselves and to just exclusively base our faith in our, our, the gospel that we believe in, on Jesus, on the Father, on God, on what He's given us. And to the left of that, we've got the kind of cage of legalism where the law is. And we can so easily fall down into that. And then on the, on the right-hand side, we've got the, the, the swampland of licentiousness, of sin, where, where the flesh operates and we get entangled there. And yet we call to walk in this middle ground over here and enjoy the sunshine of God. Now, I've been in some places, and I've been a Christian for a long, long time, and I've been in some places where it's been taught that kind of what we're on is, is, is like a tightrope, where it is so difficult to keep your, your balance here, and I'm, I'm looking for the sun, but actually I'm, I'm really worried about the legalism down there and licentio the licentiousness of falling into sin over here. Actually, I don't think it's like that at all. Um, I've been looking for some hiking routes because I'm, I'm going hiking uh, later this summer, and uh, in the Lake District, uh, where we're going to be for a couple of days, I've seen this route, which I couldn't pronounce its name, but it's, a, it's this route between um, this, this ridge that you walk along and on either side, there's these massive kind of uh, uh, crevices that have been created uh, by ice and in the Ice Age and all that sort of thing being scoured out. And there's two massive crevices on either side. And they're the kind of places that you don't want to be, right? You don't want to be down there and you don't want to be over there. But the picture I saw on this thing is not a, a bunch of people who are desperately trying to walk that way. And I saw that, who's seen the picture of uh, Mount Everest, the, the Mount Everest deaths um, over, over the week, and the picture that that Sherpa took, where there's this line of people in the zone of death, 
And uh, it just looks awful, doesn't it? Because uh, you can't go one, one way or another. You're up there trying to queue to get to the top of Everest, and it's, it's perilous on one side and perilous on the other side. That's not the picture that we walk in. What we walk in is this glorious picture where His Word is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. His Word is a place that illuminates where I go. So it's a spacious place. Even though it may be narrow, it's a spacious place where I am. And so I have no need to go into the, the pit of, lice, of legalism over here or to go and, uh, and, and, and sin over here. And I'm free to do it. There's nothing holding me back. It's not like I've got this set of rules around me, this cage, like when I was a little boy and Johnny, you know, I'm going to touch the drums again. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for someone to come and like, you stop that, don't stop that. I got him before he touched the drums again. All right. As, I'm, as an adult, I can walk over and I'm going I'm to go sin, guys. I'm, I'm ready to sin. Everybody, I'm, I'm going. No one's going to stop me to plunge me down there. Okay? Most of the times when we, when we fall into the trap of, of sin, the sin that so easily entangles, it's through our own free will. We know what, what link we're hitting or what we're doing. But there's this glorious place where we can walk, where Jesus wants us to walk in the Spirit, operating above the flesh, outside the flesh, in that now, the good thing, the wonderful thing about this is that if I do sin, and it does happen, where I go down into this, uh, this pit of license over here, it's, like a, it's a bit like Google Maps, isn't it? Um, you know, there's always a destination where you get to, and there's, a, there's an optimal way through, although sometimes I don't trust Google Maps. Um, but uh, thank goodness it's not the Holy Spirit on that. But, uh, but Google Maps will go there, and uh, I, I, may, I may stray, and I go over here. But wherever I go the little line comes back, and it may take me through a lot of windering, dodgy neighborhoods. I may have to deal with a whole lot of toll roads along the way and pay my due and deal with a whole lot of stuff. But there's always a way back to the Father. And if I step into, into licentiousness, again, Google Maps, I may be locked in this grid of red lines everywhere and weighted traffic jams, and I've, I've tied myself up in knots because I don't understand who I am in Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, He's leading me back to so there's, there's a way out of these things, and God always creates a way out for us. So I want to look at how we do that now. Um, before we go there, let's look at this from uh, Psalm 32. I think it's such a wonderful picture of how God guides us and, and the, how we operate. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And then it goes on and says, Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. See, what he's talking about here is that I will guide you. It's not a, it's not this, it's not a, uh, a restraining thing that God has over us, but it's, it's a heart connection that he has. So my daughter, Catherine, in, in Cape Town there, she's got all the stuff. She's imbued with a number of things of mine over there. We have this heart connection, and I could rush down there all the time and go and you know, sort her out and deal with everything, but actually, I've got to trust her. I've got to trust her to walk in freedom. I've got to trust her because she's got my heart, and I've got her heart, and that's the way it is with God. That's the way He guides us and wants to walk with us. That's the way the Holy Spirit leads us. So let's have a look at how we do this. We do it first through grace. Now, we spend a lot of time talking about the grace which saves. And that song we sang this today, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that Saved a Wretch Like Me. So I do know the words. Um, 
is such an amazing thing. And, and we normally associate grace, this free gift that God has given of His Son with salvation. But actually, it's not just a saving grace that we live in. It's actually a maintaining and a keeping grace, and it's a pushing forward grace. I love this, this, this um, description which I found in the Strong's Concordance here, another big fat book, which I don't often read. Um, but uh, it's, it's a definition of, of the Greek word grace from Cairo. And uh, look at the yellow bit there. It says, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That it's, it's God's favor, but it's the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in my life. And that's a beautiful thing. So grace teaches me. Grace moves me on. Grace keeps me. Grace maintains me. Paul, in his letter to Titus, says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, the first bit. But then, he says, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. How many here want to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives? Isn't that an amazing phrase? How many of, those, how many of us have tried to do that and, and felt like we're failing? Because it's just so hard. I want to say tonight, it's the grace of God which empowers us to do that. It's that continuing outpouring, that flowing into our lives that lifts us up, that, that moves us forward, that buoys us up. You see, we're not sinners saved by grace. We are saints. We are saints imbued with righteousness. And those bad habits that you're trying so hard to get rid of are not things that, that you need to deal with. And, and, and if, you, if you become so sin conscious that I'm always trying to wade through everything, and I've, I've got to get rid of it. And if I get rid of it, then I can get up, then I can get up on the mountain again. You're, never gonna, you're gonna wade around there because the Bible says sin so easily entangles and it leaves you there. But the Bible says, you who are spiritual, restore your brother. Bring him up. And it's, it's, it's looking at who, who, our, who our Savior is every day. And it's, it's not looking at the, at the sin that, that so easily entangles. It's not, looking at, not allowing the rules to entangle us either. But it's allowing God to, to shine His light upon us. And us saying, thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, again and again and again for what you've done in me. And affirming my righteousness and my standing in Christ Jesus. Next way we do it is through the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've, I've said earlier that when we are born again, we move from one operating system, the flesh, into another operating system. And Paul says we therefore no longer regard anyone according to the flesh, but we actually operate in the Spirit. So how do we, how do we operate in the Spirit? Well, we walk in the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We get the... the the, the, the benefits of it, the, 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 the result of it is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We then get the gifts of the Spirit, this powerful gifts, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. Jesus said, you will do even greater works than I have. How can that be? You're Jesus. But He's given that power to us through the Holy Spirit. If we walk in Him and if we listen to Him and if we're led by Him, we live by the Spirit in Galatians 6.1, it, uh, 6, 6, it says, you who are spiritual. We have a little story about, uh, about the Holy Spirit here this week. It uh, again involves my daughter down in Cape Town. Sorry, Catherine, but you're not here. She gets here next week, so you can tell her that I said all the stuff about her. But um, yeah, it's kind of, 
I, I put myself in the... I, I'm dad. I'm the Holy Spirit in her life, okay? Uh, she is Catherine. She is Christian over here. La, 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 la. She's looking after the car. A couple of, couple of indications that, uh, that, somebody needs work, that somebody needs work on it because uh, the windscreen wiper isn't working. In Cape Town, that's a bit of a problem. And, uh, and she's like, Dad, the windscreen, is not work- windscreen wiper is not working. Yeah, my girl, you're going to have to get it fixed. <gasps> you can hear the intake of breath. How do I do that? You never told me that going to university and looking after your car would involve me fixing the windscreen wiper. That's not what she said, but that's what I can hear her thinking. At the same time, I know that she's planning this road trip with her mates. Ah, Off we go, Jeffrey's Bay. And I know that the car hasn't been serviced for about a year and a half. And uh, so Angela's in my ear going, uh, the car needs to be serviced, the car needs to be serviced. I'm thinking, the car needs to be serviced. And the problem is, normally it would be Angela and myself who'd be down there. Right, give us the car, Luke. Take the car over there. You sit over there. Get in the back seat. Here we go. This is how we service a car. But the problem is, we're not going to be there for the next few months. So how do we do this? So I'm like, Catherine, Holy Spirit, the car needs to be serviced. Who said that? She's going, well, Dad, how do I do that? So I said, well, here, here's a couple of suggestions. Here you could take it to there. That's, not, that's a little bit further from you, or you could go here. Um, okay, a few questions from her. Um, will I need the license? How, how will they know it's me? Do I, do I, where, where is that? I don't know. My girl could be there. I don't think you'll need that. Yes, I think, it, I think you've got everything you need. Next message I get is, kaboom, done it. Car's booked tomorrow morning. And, uh, and so I wrote back to her. I said, you're powerful. She said, heck yeah. And, uh, and the car's serviced. The car's been paid for. There's provision from the Holy Spirit uh, on that credit card I gave her. But isn't it a wonderful picture? I'm being, being funny here. But isn't it a wonderful picture of how God leads us, how the Holy Spirit tells us, prompts us and that? Now, now this, this could have gone a lot differently. This could have been in a way where Catherine grieved the Holy Spirit grieved her father because she, she could have like thrown a, a tantrum and said absolutely no ways dad I can't do that there's no ways I can do that and yet she listened and she, we walked it through and the Holy Spirit was leading her <laughs> in this picture here and it's what we need to do as, as, uh, as Christians is to be there listen to the Holy Spirit open ourselves up not grieve the Holy Spirit by trying to set some rules around it or operating in our own strength or in our own uh, license over here and that's what God wants us to do. And that's what God has created us to do. And that's the saving faith, my friends, that Paul is bringing the Galatians back to and which we need as much today as they had then. So I want to take the last few minutes and, uh, and take a look. Let's do a faith check as to where we are. I've got five questions here. And today I'd like you to just ponder over these in a way which just uh, allows you to recalibrate, just to ask yourself honestly, where am I, Lord? What am I believing? Am I like the Galatians where I've polluted things with law? Am I somewhere where I'm in a place where I'm, I'm, I'm bound by sin, I'm entangled by sin? So let's go for it. Does your gospel, first question, does your gospel cause you to fix your eyes exclusively on Jesus? Always the focus on me and my performance and what I have to do. 
Because in the gospel of grace, or the gospel of the law, it says you've got to do, do, do. But in the gospel of grace, it, it is done, it is done, it is done. It is finished. And I need to apply that over my life. So do I fix my eyes exclusively on Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this thing. And allow my flesh to, I put it off and allow it to, to, to be the crucified dead stinky flesh that it is. Does your gospel empower you to overcome sin? Are you continually feeling desperate to overcome, but powerless to do it? Because my friends, you're not a sinner held captive by sin. You're a new creation learning to walk in that new righteousness. And it may take baby steps to start off with, but you've got the Holy Spirit urging you to say, stand up, come my boy, walk, let's walk, let's walk together. And, uh, and those bad habits are going to hold you back. You need to stand up and walk in this, in this newness and this freshness of the Lord. Does your gospel release peace and joy? Or are you left anxious and insecure? Or does it bring a supernatural peace and joy upon you? The you know, gospel says peace beyond the pastor's all understanding will be upon you. Will keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of Christ Jesus. Has the kingdom come in your life? Like Jesus said, I've come to proclaim the kingdom now. Or are you waiting for a time where if I do enough, I will eventually get to the kingdom and the kingdom will be there. My reward will be there. Or are we walking on that path now where we've got these beautiful views, this wonderful sunshine in front of us, this lamp in front of our, our path and this light to our feet? Does your gospel set you free? Does it burden you with heavy loads? Or does it give you a yoke that is easy and light? Do you feel that you always owe a debt to Christ? Or do you feel that Christ has actually paid all your debts? I am free. And then finally, is the gospel the best news you've ever heard? Do you know the joy and adventure and life that living in the gospel brings? Or is it just this hard, grinding road for you? Do you know who you are in Jesus? Have you had a... The restoration, do you know, understand the restoration of your standing in the Lord, your fellowship in the Lord, your faith in the Lord, your peace in the Lord, your freedom in the Lord, and your position as a son or daughter in the Lord? And then is it that good that you want to go and tell everyone about it? Is it something that grips your heart that you say, yes, I've got to go and do it? <laughs> you see, under, under the gospel of works, it's a, oh, I have to do that. I should do that. I've got to go and do that. And the gospel of grace, and what Jesus brought, is I want to do that. I want to share it. I want my life to, show, to shine out this glory. I want everyone to know uh, who I am in Jesus. I want them to know this freedom that I've found. And I want it for them as well. So I wonder if the worship team could come up. And I wonder if you would stand with me this evening. And I encourage you now, just sweet, take a bit of time to, to meditate upon what the saving faith is that we need. It's not the counterfeit gospel I was trying to sell for 99 dirhams at the beginning. But it's the true, wonderful, free gift of God that saved us, that saves us, that maintains us, that teaches us the way we're to go, that instructs us, that gives us success, that is there to pull us through, that is rooting for us all the time. If you're here this evening and need to just respond to that, um, just take a moment and do some 
Just allow God to do some business in your heart and just recalibrate where you are. If you're you're there tonight and that person, just raise your hands. And before we worship, let's just allow God to come and be God in our lives. To allow Jesus, who is the head of the church, who's the the exact replica of God, who came to show the way, who who came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to come and just sink in again in our lives. Come, Lord God. Come, Jesus. And there's a few things that you need to just say, Lord, I haven't been doing that. I need to fix my eyes upon you. I may be that person in Google Maps stuck in a traffic jam somewhere. I may have wandered far off, far off there. I want to get back to that place when operating in the spirit where I can see, I can operate in a spirit of freedom. Where I'm new, where I'm born again, where the son, where I know that I'm a son of God or a daughter of God. So if that's you, just allow him to work right now. The Holy Spirit is here. He's available. He's not far off. And he works in our lives. If you're a person that hasn't, uh, doesn't know this, this Jesus we've been speaking about, doesn't know this faith, is thinking, what is this? What is this that this guy's talking about? And you'd like to know more about that, or you'd like to understand a little bit more about Jesus, why don't you come and speak to myself up here, or John, or Sajith, or Michelle, or Angela, or Shelley after the meeting. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to be able to explain a little bit more as to what this is. Right now, I'm just going to pray over us, and then let's uh, sing a song of worship to him. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor over us. Father, I thank you you came to bring us liberty. Father, I thank you for the saving faith by which we can walk free and secure and knowing who we are in you. And I thank you, Lord, that you will never, ever let us down. I thank you that you're always there. You will come and find us. You will restore us. You'll bring us back. And today, Lord God, we want a covenant with you and say again, we're going to look to you. We can allow you to come over our lives every single day, every single moment of every day. And Father, when we, when we fall, we know that you're there to pick us up. And we know that you're there, Holy Spirit, to come and find us. And so our focus is not on, on our falling. Our focus is not on where we might land up in that. But our focus and our eyes are set on you. And Lord, why don't you come and breathe, just breathe new life into people that need that right now over this congregation, over well of life. Father, won't you enable us to take that, that message out there? Shelley was saying that the grace which people, which separates this religion from any, this, this faith from any other religion out there, that we can explain to people the freedom they can have and they have a God who loves them. Thank you, Lord.